0: the eye all right so i worked at uh, 5fm for 14 and a half years and john worked there for a couple of years doing a specialist radio show i produced shows i did traffic i did uh, my own live show with live bands and after a while i started realizing that commercial radio um, had lost the art of storytelling and we John decided he wanted to start a radio station, and I was leaving 5FM. And I realized that the biggest thing about radio is that we have commercial radio, we have talk shows, but we are losing that art of storytelling and, and young, specifically young people telling their stories. And so we started with a couple of different presenters. Um, John does a show, I do a show as well as we specifically chose certain people that were, let's say, celebs in the industry to do shows but that had something to say. It wasn't just about entertainment value. The people that we specifically chose were people that had stories to tell. And every single radio show that they do, they have to come up with a theme. So it is based around music, but it's also, more importantly, the actual stories. So, for example, Reason did a show recently with Youngster CPT, and his show was called Is Hip Hop Trash? And um, we had Spoken Priestess come in as a guest as well, and they spoke about the actual wording in hip hop Is it trash towards women? And it was so important for us specifically to have two guys talking about this because women have been talking about this. But are the guys talking about this? And what are they putting in their lyrics? And the show was spectacular in terms of getting their message ac- across. And the fact that the two of them actually love women, but they played songs that showed how they love women, and then they played other songs from other artists um, that diss women, and those are the things that we look at. We did a, a show where Slicker was the presenter. We got Lindy Hani on as she was launching her book about her dad, and we didn't want to do a regular interview that she was doing with every other station. So I said to her, we want you to bring in music that your dad listened to. So the show was themed Songs My Dad Listened To, and in that she she was able to talk about memories of her dad. So we all know who Chris Harney is, but do we really know, like him personally? We know what he stood for, but we don't know what music he listened to. She brought everything from Whitney Houston to classical music to traditional African music and she told stories about nights she remembers, about Chris Harney with all of his friends there listening to music and she used to say that the radio was on all of the time and that is specifically what the eye is looking at these beautiful stories that don't get told the art of storytelling that gets lost um, because of more entertainment based and quick um, ways of listening to radio so amongst those presenters that we have we also have um, a 14 year old girl from Cape Town that does a show and it's really targeted at 14 year olds, that sort of age group. But she touches on serious topics, things that happen. So, her last show, she spoke about mental illness um, becoming like a fashion with young people. And she spoke about it from her point of view. She gets little voice clips from her friends. She talks about books that she's read, concerts that she's been to, albums that she's listened to. But targeting that, we've got um, a fly fishing show. And you think you think to yourself, yeah, who listens to fly fishing? I mean, who, like, who actually does it? But it's, it's not your pretty little fly fishing that happens in a river. It's these hardcore guys that go up to like Somalia that hide from pirates that do deep deep sea fly fishing. Um, we've got another show that's going to happen with also fourteen year olds from the Cape Flats. East. Sorry, Younger East. Younger East, where they were gangsters and now have changed around, and they're going to do a show. And that is what we're looking at, looking for. And I mean, I've been teaching, teaching at Boston for um, about four years. And I realized when I was asking my students, you know, what do you listen to in radio and what, you, what is missing? They were like, we're actually missing stuff to talk about. It's so base, commercial radio, and there's, there's place for all of it. We're not saying that there isn't place for it. There is place for everything. And I think that that's why the eye has has really like captured um, something that isn't being captured is the storytelling and giving platform to a whole variety of different people. So John is going to take over now, um, but I I encourage you to go and have a listen. Um, I'm just going to tell you quickly about the music as well, is that I don't believe in format-based radio stations. There is obviously a place for it, but I truly believe if the music is good, you can listen to anything. So our music will go from anything from Britney Spears' Hit Me Baby One More Time, into um, ACDC, into Huma Sekela, into a jazz track, into a classical track, and it works People have mailed us specifically about how they are enjoying the music. Officers, um, a friend of mine is in an office in London, and he said they've never been able to, in their office, be happy with the music because each person has a specific taste. And with ours, because it's so broad and we go from song to song, everyone is suddenly happy in the office. They're happy to listen to just good music. And I think that is so important. And just to let you know, next week, um, I mean... We've, all of our shows are generally live, but occasionally we obviously have to record them. But just a taster, next week um, we've got a show that we did. I, I recorded it yesterday with Huma Sakela and his American producer, Stuart Levine. And they're telling the story, first of all, of how they met. And also they've just released um, their Zayez 74, which was a concert that they put on in the Congo. Um, with a a boxing fight with Muhammad Ali and and it's the most beautiful story I, I sat there listening to them chatting to each other that's another big thing it's it's a conversation it's not like an interview based It really is about going back to storytelling and the two of them just sitting there with their memories verbalizing it on this radio station to me it excites me beyond anything because we are able to go back to storytelling and there is a place for it. So I will hand over to John. Sadly I do have to leave, but thank <laughs> you so much for your time.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Kath. <laughs> so Kath is the enthusiastic one. I just want to backtrack a little bit and sort of explain more about what the eye is about. So Kath is leading the charge on the content front and what she's kind of explaining is what we, we've had a different idea for radio which has been very exciting to see the results and the idea is we're constantly in this digital world hearing from technologies that are infiltrating markets and forcing brands and content in front of the consumer in an environment where consumers can choose what they want and it's a permanent clash there's more and more technology and programmatic and all of that that is again trying to find clever ways to dangle a brand or shoehorn a brand into the content that you the consumer are engaging and the eye was built with that in mind to figure a way to, to have a platform where brands could seamlessly be part of content, but they had to believe in the ideology of the content. So when we started The Eye, we focused on, how do we make something that has the best content anywhere, and just start building that up, and we can plug into other technologies. One of our DJs and partners is Mostef. Um, and his show was such a sort of groundbreaking show for us when he started, because the thing about digital radio, and, and it was brought up in this question, is that, it's an opportunity for space. On commercial radio, you've got a minute to do something. You've got 30 seconds to do something. But what podcasts globally, the the idea of podcasts have have shown us is that people actually hunger for real content, as Catherine said. Like, you see how passionate she is about the content. And I've heard stuff on the eye that is the best radio I've ever heard. Uh, for me, one of the most groundbreaking things we've done, because c- we have a philosophy under the eyes that we want to push culture forward. We want to be part of culture. We want to be brave in the content we create. And we had a show that was Sipo Pichana with Slicker. And it was not. It was a really, really hardcore debate where Slicker was saying to Sipo Pichana, and I wasn't expecting this, no one was. You know, you know Sipo Pichana was saying, you know, I'm about free this country from corruption, get rid of Zuma, and Slicko was saying, no, no, you are the problem you know take out a zuma you get another zuma you know we feel we the uh, you know the real youth of this country we feel ostracized from the anc we feel ostracized from government decisions and they had this it was you know the idea on these shows is to put music in it was 2 hours they didn't play one song they had records piled up to here they didn't even get to one and to be able to hear that substance and to fi- to think that these conversations are going on all over the place there's no space for them in the in the in the sort of main Mainstream radio thing, we really just started to hone down on the content delivery. And there was an, another thing we, um, we didn't just like slap this thing out of pure passion. We looked at how radio was being um, uh, in, engaged with and how social media is engaged with. And we thought one of the big problems with radio coming onto a digital platform is you now have tw- the 24-hour model is problematic for digital. Because in digital, you need to be low cost, you need to be lean, you need to be mean. Um, and also, why fill up your airwaves with 24 hours of bullshit? Because you've got—if if there isn't enough content to fill it up with, so what we started with was one show a week. Our philosophy was, tune into the eye once a week, but when you do, you, you're never going to forget it. And we built up various, various shows within the eye with that philosophy. We have music and playlists, and as Catherine said, people are excited about the playlist because it's so diverse. But the idea was that's how people engage with content rather than taking with how radio is sort of moving online. So we've had a a very um, interesting journey over this thing, and we've learned a lot of very interesting things. And one of the biggest insights that we didn't foresee was the idea that you can create multiple segmented audiences under one roof And it was never what we actually thought, we'll create this model for this edgy cultural radio station and then we'll try try it in other radio stations. And we recognize you can have multiple, in the social media space, in the digital space, you can have multiple um, different audiences under the same umbrella. And that was really groundbreaking for us. The most important thing, uh, I mean, I've got lots of slides, but I don't know if I'm going to use them. Um, The other important thing that is very... Um, central to what we're doing because we really are playing this the long slow game. We're not trying, we are one of the big things, and it was very difficult for us. We said no advertising on the eye for the first six months. We're only nine months old now. And the reason we said that was we'd seen a trend that when brands got involved in content from the offset, they got um, compromised. The content got compromised. And on the eye, we bring it, we identify people who have something to say. And we give them a platform and say, say what you want, do what you want, play what you want. And some of that content is super edgy, some of it has swear words, some of it, we never know what it's going to be, but we needed to allow the content to dictate what our station was going to stand for before we allow brands on. And as a result, we've had brands coming to us and say, we don't know what you're doing, but that's what we want. And we say, well, there's swear words and there's there's like politically tricky things, they don't care. That's what they want to be because it's real and authentic conversation. The other most trickiest thing for us, and it's the daily fight, and this is the metrics. Now our core business is analytics, we're looking at the metrics, but we have changed in our own minds how we think about the metrics, because I think what is really problematic in both traditional and in digital radio are the numbers, the millions and the hundreds of thousands of people you can reach, but are they engaging, are they listening, how do you know? In traditional radio, one of the big problems is, here's our here's our listenership, 6 million, but how many people are listening at 11.32 to your radio ad? But you're still getting that. In digital radio, social media has given us a a very difficult um, metric that I personally rebel against to my own detriment daily, and that is the metric of reach. Because social media to allow businesses to spend more and more in the, on, on boosting and promoting, they give you an elevated sense of reach. And one way you can test this, and we've done a split test, you can, if you are a small brand, put a thousand rand behind a Facebook boost that says, What is your favorite color, red or yellow? What you'll see is, more often than not, you'll get a thousand likes, maybe three thousand likes, and maybe one answer. And that is, that is really identifying the problem in the reach, um, in, in what the reach gives us. But the, the biggest obstacle is that brands still deal in reach. They like the hundreds of thousands of numbers, they like to see them. So the industry is perpetually defeating these numbers, and it's breaking the industry. With us, we're creating a new metric called engagement. We all know what engagement is, but we only count a listener when they're engaged with us. And that means they've got to be actively messaging. This, commenting, sharing, um, we need to actually feel them. A listener is not enough, because this and and what that means is the numbers are very small. And they're not numbers that most brands are comfortable spending money on, but they're real. And I would love to see what some of the real numbers are with some of the bigger brands who are spending lots of money on social compared to what we're doing. And our philosophy is rather than have a million people reach have 5,000 people who care about what we're talking about that are engaging with your brand and are actually interested in buying it. And that is, a, that is very much what the, the eye is about. So I'm going to quickly see, and then I want to, I don't know how much time I have, because I want to show you this little invention we have as well, but I'm going to just check where we're at. So, so that's the thing. I, the thing about authentic genuine content, this is, comes up all the time, everyone talks about it, but we really are living it. And if you go th- onto the eye and look through some of the shows, you'll see, you'll hear what we mean by that. And our shows have a profound impact on a sm- small amount of people. And that's something we still need to scale, it's something that we're still growing, we're still identifying how to actually do that. we are only been nine months old, but the traction we've got and the loyal fan base that we are growing is, is really amazing. Um, Again, one of the other sort of strategic things about the eye is that we've seen in marketing that a lot of brands have a problem that when they create campaigns, they have to create a microsite, where they create an audience for a microsite for three months to build, and then after three months, that microsite disappears. And the problem is that you audience, the audiences are smart. They don't like engaging with a brand du- directly. You don't go to the f and website to look up the cricket score, even though they've got a cricket score page. And this conversation is meaning that, we, um, that these third-party independent platforms, broadcasters become very important in the conversation because we stand up for what we believe in. The eye is what it is. And if you're a brand that wants to talk to an audience, then you can use it through the, through the eye. Hello. blah, 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 (laughs) blah, 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 affordable, low-cost, okay, so just, uh, we do have a lot of celebrities on our station, but what was really, really important, we also have a lot of non-celebrities, what was really important to us was not to identify people with big social media reach, obviously these do because we use these presentations for brands, but... Um, The idea was to identify people who have something to say. There are a lot of celebrities with massive influence, but they don't have something specific to say. All these guys are contributing culturally to something, or they have something that's going to push South Africa forward. Um, Mostef, for example. Uh, Jack Parra, whose shows are amazing. You should hear them. Uh, Slicker, who is really, like, in another dimension in his mind. We have a lot of... um, we have a lot of guest hosts as well. Um, that's just a handful of them. Um, blah, blah, blah. Bloody, bloody, blah. De, blah, de, blah. It, we are, the analytics behind the station is really, really important to us because one of the things we really believe in is is actually allowing the analytics to tell you what is working and it's not working and be responsive to it. Now this is one of the most powerful things in digital, both video and radio. If you actually watch the analytics, you can't fail. If a show isn't working, you'll know in a week. And if you want to try it again, you can split test the content on the show to see if people like dogs or they like cats. And when you find out that they like cats, you can do shows about this type of cat and that type of cat. And if you're always looking back at the analytics, you're always growing a consistent and loyal audience, and that is really what is at the heart of what we, what we do here. Um, and when I talked about um, segmented audiences, what I mean by that is we have like very adult content, we have teen content, uh, we started a whole new channel called iTeens, which is really because we found that the 14-year-olds of today are not like the 14-year-olds we were. They are grown up, they are smart, they are... They are talking about stuff we don't know, and there is nothing that I can see in radio that is accommodating them. We treat our kids like children. And as soon as we started this iTeens channel, we've only been out for a month, the school network has gone bonkers for, the, for, the, for this type of content. There is nobody talking to teenagers like they are the futures of the future of our country, and that was something that we've been very proud of. Um, these 14-year-olds from Nyanga East have really blown my mind, because They are a very ambitious crew who have put this hip-hop show together and turned their lives around. And their community is really struggling with violence and gangsters, and they want to use this band, this hip-hop group, to try and inspire the youth. And so we've turned that into a radio show for them as well. And I know that Catherine brought up a lot of the uh, very sort of hectic stuff, but we also it's fun. The idea is this is content. This is content. It's entertainment. It's culturally relevant. doesn't mean it's it's politically heavy, it's also skateboarding, it's also everything that is, that is relevant to that. So, so when you come to us, how a show works is we broadcast a show live, it gets four rebroadcasts, and then it goes onto to an on-demand menu. So it's sort of the difference between a podcast and, a, and, a, and our radio station is that It's live, and then it isn't. So our on-demand menu, we have various segments. We have our headline shows, we have tech shows, we have art shows. Um, This is our teen show. We've just started something called the Best Song Ever Deathmatch. And what we do in this show is we pit up two celebrities next to each other, and they they have rounds. They have to choose what's the greatest song ever made. They have one hour, and they have to agree, and we broadcast from a boxing ring. Our biggest show, so that's uh, the type of shows we have. We've just had Zolani do a show about the future of Africa called Future Africa. Uh, uh, Catherine spoke about that. The reason reason is turning out to be a very, very good DJ there. Um, That's one of our art shows. Our biggest show is actually the dance show. We have this dance show that we had no real reason to put it on, but I saw it on Facebook and I said to the guy, we'd like to buy you. He... DJs at lunchtime on a Friday from his bedroom and talks to camera. So when you comment, he talks back. We get over 15,000 organic live video streams on Facebook per show, plus another 5,000 plus on the stream. We get three to 400 comments per show, and we've never promoted a post. That is purely organic. Um... It's awesome. And it, there's no reason. You know, we've studied all the analytics for that show and we can't figure it out. People just love it. Um, okay, so that's pretty much where we are with the I. Uh, one of the things we offer is that we come from a content background. That's really our passion, filmmakers and stuff. So one of the things we're offering brands as part of our... A part of what we do is because every show is a new piece of content, it's not just airwaves being filled by people speaking, there's lots of ways for brands to integrate with what we're doing which has been very exciting. So we are helping brands create content that's actually relevant in their social market using voices that are authentic. Okay, I think I want to show you this thing. So we had this idea, because we, are, we have a very beautiful studio in Cape Town, are we out of time? Oh. Okay, I'll, I'll be quick now. Thank you. So one of the things we had was uh, we, we built a beautiful Cape, uh, studio in the middle of Cape Town on, on Bree Street. And, and one of the ideas behind that was we know that digital radio has a problem with its image, that people think that it's a shitty studio in someone's bedroom, and it was important to us to create like a beacon. So we're on the second floor. We made a glass. You can see us walking past the street. And it's a very beautiful, homely place with a beautiful record collection. We're trying to build... Uh, the best African vinyl collection in the country. And it became problematic because we didn't have a Joburg studio yet. And a lot of opportunities in the digital space have come to us, like broadcasting from Opikopi, broadcasting from Hugh Masakela's house. One of our DJs is the group BCUC, and they have a Shabin in Soweto, and they said, can't we broadcast from our house in Soweto? And because Catherine is our station manager, we had this idea four months ago, can you build an entire radio station in a box that a small person could carry? And it was—we we we first started looking all around the world, there was nothing, nothing in that space, so we decided to build it. It was four months of sheer hell and pain, Um, but we have built this box and I'd like to show it to you quickly how it works. Um, and this is how we broadcast from boxing rings and all sorts of other stuff. It's how we can broadcast right from here. Catherine brought this box. It has wheels. It's this big, and it was designed exactly to be able to fit through the um, X-ray machine on the airplane so that you could actually take it on board and not put it in the hold. That was, so my proudest moment was at the airport watching this thing like glide through the, <laughs> through the thing there. So this is what it looks like. Um, It's this big, and we also wanted it to be beautiful so that people could, wherever they were, they could see it. And um, it it wasn't just like a laptop. So when you plug it in, it comes to life. And one of the important things we wanted was that it has a light box built into the roof. I don't know if you can see that. I'll just quickly turn it like that. So it has a light box, a branded light box. Did I just go off? No. Which is completely brandable if someone wanted to rent it or buy it or whatever, but for us, it's obviously the eye so that people can see it. And we've been going to events. We broadcast from Mikasa's um, album launch, and everyone there kind of saw how beautiful this thing looked. Um, It has a monitor built in. We run all our radio shows from an Ableton touchpad. It has a little... um, Shelf that comes out with uh, a mouse and a keyboard. Oops, I just dropped my mic. Sorry about that. And then this is where it gets really sexy. <laughs> we um, we have two mic stands that are built in, that just slot in there, and that actually all the plugs and everything are actually in the back of this, so it actually locks the plug, the microphones. Go in the lid so that you just uh, pluck put these things in. Ah Come on, savage. Why is this the hard part? Anybody knows these things they're annoying?. Ooh. Okay, that goes in there. Boof. Imagine that's there. Would you mind just scrolling that in for me if you don't mind? Thank you. Um, Inside here built in are three network routers for MTN, Vodacom, and uh, Telcom. Those three so that we can test the area wherever we are before we start broadcasting. And there's a small mixing desk built in here. And that's pretty much our setup. So we go in wherever we go. We plug this puppy in. Um, the live broadcast system is on, this, on the computer, you, pr- you press live and you you're go. So this is our little i-box that we're very proud of. And then it folds up very quickly as well. And uh, that's pretty much it. I know I just raced through that. Does anyone have any questions? <laughs> <For what? laughs> okay. okay. See, that's a, a very hard question to answer because I'll tell you why. No, the prototype, we did about 20 different versions. To keep it small was almost impossible. There's a lot of stuff you can't see here how the cabling works, where things are stored. Um, and that was really not easy. I was told it was impossible all the way through the process. So the cost of the prototype, I, can't, I don't even know. But we we're busy figuring out because we had inquiries for other people about wanting to do similar things. So we're now looking at a costing model. Everything in here we bought off Gumtree, so it's all cheap second-hand gear. So the answer to the other question is, Uh, If you're going to buy new gear, there's many ways to skin this particular thing. But on the software front, what I have found, and it's something we're developing now, is i found that there is no in-the-box solution for digital radio, I don't mean physical box, I mean digital, that can handle on-demand menus, making them look pretty the broadcast and the actual RCS system where you play the music and all of that stuff. And I found it very frustrating we use multiple pieces of technology to make this radio station work but we're now trying to design one piece of technology that will actually come with the box that can do everything in one go. Yeah yes yeah um
0: just first of all when i first saw this on instagram i lost my freaking mind so (laughs) well done um i just got a question music wise yes um because you guys do have a very unique music model and i know sometimes you do play full albums as well yeah um what exactly is the logistics behind how you guys choose your music
1: so this is very important we were told by everyone, you have to be genre-specific if you're going to have a radio station. And it was actually Catherine who decided to try to test. Everything is about testing, not about knowing. And I think this, with radio, we've come with 100 years of experience, but to, but digital has changed that, what that is. So we started experimenting with saying, look, people, need, one of our listener base need to be love music. Because I don't think that people who love music listen to To mainstream radio, in my opinion. People who love music, are searching for music, are interested in not just what's popular, but what's powerful music. So we made that the template of our radio station. And what it meant was, um, it doesn't have to be genre-specific. And it was actually Mos Def who forced us to put classical music into our playlist, because every now and then, once a week, you might feel like listening to something. And so the playlists are really built up by Catherine and, and sort of looking at what's great music across the board, but then the actual physical shows, music styles, are determined by the DJ in in question. And we tend to find a lot of DJs like, big hip-hop guys start playing stuff you'd never expect them to play, and, and that actually shows more about who they are. That's why the Lin Diwe Harney show was so nice, because what you expected Chris Harney to be listening to is not what he was listening to. He was obsessed with classical music. And so, by taking the, the chains off of the genre, it's just freed us up to really experiment a lot more with what's working. Anything else? No more d- do you want to do a second question to it then did you were going to ask? I was
0: going to ask like in terms of our,
1: at the back end, yeah. oh. Okay. I wanted to ask
0: like in terms of content because yes. I hear a lot of time a lot of times you were referring to like Cape Town audience. Is that only your your main focus.
1: No, we're opening a studio in Joburg in Maboneng in the okay. Museum of African Design, but our audience is not Cape Town. Our studio is just in Cape Town. So we broadcast, what we have been doing is flying our DJs to Cape Town each week and it's become too expensive. That's why we built this box. But we are opening in October here as well. Okay. Okay, is that it? I'm sure you're going to get a lot of questions at the end of this. Okay, let's give uh, John a round of applause. Thank you very much, people.